2: This is the Toffee Web podcast.
3: Over the corner comes, and it's headed in. It was McNeil's delivery. Sean Dyche day one it's an old Burnley double act that's done it for Everton and it's a routine they've been trying from the start the deep deep corner Arsenal still don't go long ball even with the last few kicks and that is the last kick it's a tail You wouldn't have dreamed about telling as Everton win for the first time in nine Premier League games and they beat a team that's been unbeatable in their last 13. Day one for Sean Dyche has gone very well indeed.
2: Hello again, Blues, and welcome back to the Toffee Web podcast, the first celebrating an Everton win since late October, and even allowing for a six-week break for the World Cup. Three and a half months is an awfully long time to go without seeing your football team win. But we're savouring three precious points, taken off the Premier League leaders, no less, and all of a sudden those little sparks of optimism that we were talking about, in the last podcast in terms of what Sean Deutsch might be able to bring the team have turned into a flame and we now have a platform and a blueprint from which survival could well be achieved under the new manager. We'll talk about the performance and the noticeable difference in the team between those last few matches under Frank Lampard and what we saw on Saturday. We'll get into some of the individual displays as we go and at the end we'll see where each of us thinks Everton will end up this season in terms of the relegation battle. But we'll start, of course, with Saturday, Sean Dyche's debut game in charge and a tremendous result against Arsenal. Uh, Paul, you were concerned about the atmosphere for a lunchtime kickoff, uh, while some others were worried that the protests might put a negative spin on the day, but there were absolutely no worries on either score, were there? Goodison was bouncing and the team responded brilliantly, didn't they?
4: Oh, yeah, it was a fantastic atmosphere. Anyone was, uh, you have been in the Goddard Street as well, Al, weren't you? It was uh, just fantastic. I had a mate who was who sat, he normally sits in the top balcony, and he was um he, he for whatever reason near the mates ticket in the Gladys sheet a few rows behind. us, come out and he goes, God, it's so loud. <laughs> and, 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 and it like uh, obviously it's not always that loud, but certainly it, it really sort of um exemplified. It was it was good to some Park at its best, it was, I, I, its bare pit best. I think it was um them sort of last 10 minutes or so, just everything that sort of encapsulates it about a-, a goodison crowd, screaming the players on, yelling at the ref and everything, just getting into, yeah, giving the play, giving the opposition players jip. When there was that, that little sort of coming together, well, it's a little coming together, all the players got involved. It was just electric and everyone was buzzing. And you just had that sense after a certain point after that, I think, that we'd, that we'd maybe done it. Maybe it was the point when, when Sinchenko booted it way into Rosehead with that long-range speculative shot. I don't know. There was a certain moment though when you thought, We've done this and it was, um, yeah, in a atmosphere. And, uh, yeah, much needed three points. Um, brilliant to see a completely transformed team. And it was just um, everything you think about Everton's identity with, and the crowd and everything that comes with Goodison Park. It couldn't really have been exemplified any more than in that 90, 96 minutes or whatever it was. I don't think it was, uh, yeah, a really good effort and makes you proud of them, doesn't it?
5: Yeah, I think that's the word, Paul. I think I came out of Goodison feeling proud again, proud of the team, proud of the fans, proud of the new manager as well. That you know he's come into the football club, and what's so impressive is he's been able to get his ideas across. But the players have bought in and exec- executed it brilliantly as well. Um, as Paul said, I think it was just the perfect Goodison display. I think if we all imagine what what that what that looks like, I think that's that's what we got. I think the players were well drilled they knew what was what and I think they, they fed off the crowd and vice versa. You know, that there's always that talk about do the fans, you know, need to fully get behind the players at the start to get them going or is it, you know, it's sort of that chicken and egg debate. But I think um really, I think that the players really, really showed what they were about and I think that it, it bodes really well that, you know, the team and Deitch were able to do that so so swiftly uh, uh, in, in his first game in charge. So for me it was just really encouraging. And um, yeah, I think it was just yeah, an immense amount of pride after after seeing the team struggle for for such a long time this season. The difference was just stark, and it, it's quite frightening, really, at how poor we were with the exact same players. And you know, they they had application, they had desire, they had the commitment, and it it did feel. I've said to a few people now that under the good years with Moyes, that's what I was sort of in my, a teenager then, and I feel like. Saturday lunchtime was was very similar to that that the team were really trying to burst forward with Gusto but and they felt in control and I, I think the biggest credit I can give Sean Dyche is that while I was obviously worried that you know Everton could let the lead slide within you know the last 10 20 minutes I was never really that worried about it the the team looked pretty assured they looked in control and I think that the difference between Dyche and perhaps Lampard was was how the game was managed from the from the sidelines and how the team was so well drilled that every player knew what their job was. You could tell that, you know, even down to the 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 wide players helping with the full backs. I just thought everybody was spot on. They knew what their job was. And it meant that we were able to, you know, go head to head with the with the league leaders. And that, again, I think just seeing Everton compete again was just as pleasing as the three points for me. To to just see that Elements of bravery and fight to be there. And I think even had we beaten Southampton on Saturday, it would be mightily impressive. But to go against Arsenal, top of the league, and basically nullify them, I think Everton could have been 3-0 up within the first half with the chances they created. And, you know, it it wasn't park-the-bus football. It wasn't, you know, defensive-minded, trying to hold on. Everton were in the game for the 96 minutes. And it was, it was just really encouraging and such a great start and a great platform to build on. I could listen to
1: you guys talk about it all day. It's great. It's, oh, it's, We can if you want. <laughs> yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, including me, will be happy. And it was, it was, it was brilliant. And I, yeah, I completely agree with everything you've said so far. I think that word control is really important because we've seen over the last couple of years, I think the, the best days we've had, even when it's been tough, of Bimbies, backs against the wall, big wins. Um, often spurred on by the Goodison crowd, the the games on the dunk. Um, But this was sort of controlled passion. It it still had all those hallmarks of a a really gutsy performance. But as as you both said there, there was never really a doubt. And the amount of chances we created, as you said, El, so refreshing to see Dominic Calvert-Lewin miss chances. Because I, I, I was saying to a mate of mine yesterday... He's had, he's had no service. He's been completely starved. We can look at that streak, obviously with injuries and um, you could argue a lack of form. But wasn't it great to see him get in positions where there was a chance of something happening? Wasn't it great to see us attack and, as you say, against the best seat, the best team in the division uh, by some distance? We completely match them. We nullify them, as you say. Zinchenko shooting from distance towards the end. That kind of sums it up. We, we really, really restricted them. We kept them at arm's length and at bay. Um, to a man, we were exceptional. And I think clearly whatever Sean Dyche said during the week, his condensed pre-season, as he called it, paid dividends. Because from from the first minute, seeing players snap into tackle, seeing the likes of Mikalenko, and uh, again, we, we could go into individual performances, I'm sure we will do, you could talk about any single player at length. You could have an episode dedicated just to Seamus Coleman. You could probably get about five out of an armor. Every single player was immense. And it was, oh, it's it's just, it makes everything better. It, it, certainly in myself, just th- that that lift, that waking up on Sunday morning <laughs> thinking, I'm <laughs> going to watch Match of the Day again, just to sort of check uh, that the, that that really happened. Um more of the same. It, it was it was brilliant. I remember
0: starting a pod we did about two weeks ago with the words "This isn't Everton." Um, when we were going through that terrible time of just before the transfer window closed and the protests and the communication and the whatever else, this was Everton. Um, this was definitely our Everton back, in, in, in if only for ninety minutes. Um, there was effort, there was ambition, there was know-how, there was a header at the Gladys Street to win it. There was just a feeling of Everton again, which um, for all Lampard's effort and what he tried to do, and he was obviously a good bloke who tried to get on with the fans and did get on with the fans and really tapped into that we kind of lost our way on the pitch, didn't we? And, it, and it, to me, it just kind of, it magnified how poor we were. Um, obviously, the results say that. Um, you only know, got to look at the last 10 results and realise that we're not playing very well at all. But actually, it just magnified how poor we'd got. Um, and this was the polar opposite. Um, and that, that word of fast track, which Sean Dyche kept saying in the week, we got a fast track. Uh, the whole thing um he obviously managed to do it, and he's obviously got some buy in um and it was fantastic to watch and i I just echo everything you guys have said about it, the pride watching it um about the the excitement watching it. I mean, this wasn't everton holding on for a one nil against top of the league we, we were we were as good as them for an hour. Um, it was brilliant um favorite moments, both Daesh. Uh, The first one was, um, it it cut to him. He had his arms outstretched and he just went, (laughs)
2: fucking
0: L-Ref, like that. And I thought, brilliant, brilliant. I I can get behind that. There's no problem with that. And then the second one was him absolutely, I don't know what someone had done on Mm -hmm. the far side of the pitch or what they hadn't done. Uh, Was it Onana? I don't know who it was, but somebody had committed some terrible offence over the other side of the pitch that they weren't exactly in position. And, um, wow, I, I could only imagine how that sounded coming out of his, out of his mouth. It's um, he's, he's pretty guttural at the best of times, but that must have sounded wonderful. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 like you guys, um, woke up on Sunday morning and thought, I'm going to watch that again. Um, um, fantastic. And I know it's only a start, but what a start.
2: One of the, the, the most salient parts of it was, I think, that the, the, we won the, mid- the midfield battle. And I think um, Deitch's tactics in that respect were, were um, just spot on. Um, I mean, your defensive tactics are just as important as your attacking tactics. Um, and it, it, it seemed like Deitch had a tactical blueprint for that match uh, that particularly nullified the, the passing lanes between you know, Arsenal's most dangerous players, particularly Odegaard and Saka. Um, and so you know, different people have different answers to the question, what is beautiful football, what's great football, Um you know, we we might have um, inspired perhaps at one point to, to emulate the likes of City and, you know, these these sort of slick passing teams, but you know, the Everton DNA from the teams of the the 80s, you know, it's a mixture of direct football um, with intricate passing and wing play and crosses into the box and aerial threat in the box. And it seems very much as though um, Deitch has a keen understanding of that. Um, you know, he remembers those teams of the 80s and the dogs of war of the 90s. And I feel that Perhaps he more than maybe any other manager that we could have got at this point. Um, you know, he's the one to, to sort of to bring that that kind of style back. And if he does, I don't think any of us will be complaining, particularly if the results keep coming. Um, you know, because we we know we've tried the tippy tappy stuff with Martinez, we've tried the playing out from the back with Ancelotti and Lampard, and you know, both times with both managers, you know, we found the players just unable to produce that sort of football without getting themselves into trouble. Um, you know, or just as we've seen under under both of those managers, the, the attack just grinding to a halt um, and Goodison just becoming frustrated and edgy and, and antsy. So, you know, to see us marrying that more direct style, um, getting the ball straight to Calvert-Lewin more, um, but also leveraging, you know, that pace and power in transition that we have with the legs of Onan and Dakure, that was exciting um, from that point of view and what, you know, we might eventually be able to, to develop. I liked that Deitch was saying that there is more to come. Uh, this was just a starting point, but there is more to come technically, tactically, um, and I actually think he's going to enjoy flexing his muscles a bit now and maybe sort of showing the rest of the the football world what he can do as a manager. Um, so that was the the big the big thing for me. Obviously, the result was fantastic, but it was great to see that this wasn't sort of archetypal Deitch ball four four two lump it up and or oh, low block and park the bus. It wasn't that at all. Um, you know we deserve to win that match um quite handily i think we could have if, if we'd won it by more i don't think Arsenal could have complained um so yeah absolutely absolutely still still buzzing about that one um but yeah those um th- that that midfield three i think if we want to start talking about individuals uh we've i i particularly have had my my beef with with um gay but to come off the field having Completed 100% of your passes and looking just like the player that we didn't want to get rid of to Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, he was everywhere. Um, Decore, you know, to go from frozen out with the under-21s to straight back in the team, taking your uh, your opportunity of a clean slate. Full credit to him and I'm Amadou nana. Oh, I just, I love the bones of the guy. He's just uh, absolutely brilliant. And, you know, even even set aside the the character that he's shown in this past week saying, I'm not jumping chip. Um, and, and his relationship with the crowd, you know, just that's, a, that's an entire element on its own. But just his performance on the pitch was, um, was leadership personified. So um, I think I said when we first signed that I was already gutted about the fact that we're going to have to sell into Real Madrid for massive money in a couple of years. It might even come sooner than that at this <laughs> rate, but I'm just going to enjoy him while we have him.
4: Amadou and Arner is going to be a superstar. Um, yeah. Probably not for us. Well, he'd be a superstar for us, but in the eyes of the football world, probably not for Everton. But if he's he's just got the personality. And it, it'd be all well and good having that personality if you, if you weren't that good. But he's, he, you can see he's a, he's a, he's a very talented player. Um and he's just got the charisma, the attitude, fans will love him, you know, um, sh- clubs will love him, shirt sales you can imagine. He's just gonna be um he's gonna be really he's gonna be a real real star player him and he's he's, he's got age on his <clears throat> on his side as well. You, we might be we might get to keep him for another season or so. Yeah, you know, might just want you might think it's good for his development to stick around. Let's assume we stay in the league. Um but yeah, he was that must be his best performance yeah and I think it goes to show the the benefit of a clean slate, doesn't it? Of um, I think it I think what it's showing me is that I was I was talking a lot about Frank having his favourites and um, them guys not getting a look in, and you know it's just the same ones playing each week. Turns out most of the team was still the same ones who were playing each week. But look, what a sort of again a clean slate and a change of, you know, change of instruction and a change of what you're supposed to do. What that can do. What what that can do for you. I think. uh, Every one of them up the game massively. Um, the ones that I've been playing, and then Dwight McNeil who saw that, <laughs> who, saw, who, who saw that coming. Obviously, Sean, Sean Daish did, because he knows what to expect from him, what to get, how to get the best out of him. Um, it's just great to see that. Yeah, you know, relatively direct football, but just the, just the basics, right? Really, just like you know. Get half a yard in your on your um on your full back and whip a ball in. No no messing around and cutting back inside and just, just get the ball in the box, trying seek out. And then we had we'd build pressure from corners and that. I think that that's how we sort of swayed momentum back in our favour, probably in the first half, that sort of spell of a series of corners and sort of pinning Arsenal back a little bit, you know, and it's it's what it's what Goodison's all about. It's about yeah, as you say, it's it is our identity. I think it's what the crowd identify with is that sort of scrapping and fighting for everything. And uh, certainly the midfield three did that. And um, yeah, certainly that all all down to the manager, all down to that sort of clean slate and that change of approach and environment. And um, it's great to see the players respond. Um, yeah, just it's hard to say. It's it's one win. It's against it's the top the team top of the t- table. It's important we stay grounded because it's not a, a, a couple of quick defeats and yeah I mean and, and it, it's going to be um, it, it, it's it's going to continue to be difficult. At the same time, it's difficult to not, <laughs> given it's so long since when, as you said, at the startland and it's difficult to not to get a bit carried away given given the um, just the bring, as as much as it is the the win against the Arsenal bringing back to that sort of Everton we've craved really for if we're honest, years, really. It's one game, and if we can just carry on with that blueprint, uh, I think Sean's half the way there, really.
0: Just to to jump in on the corners thing, there was a brilliant moment in the second half when the ball spun up in the air and hit the corner flag, and it went just for a throw-in, and the whole (laughs) ground went, oh! And I just... What other Premier League ground would you get such, such a reaction to a not quite a corner? I thought it was a brilliant moment. And it does sum up what we what kind of triggers us. You know, we, we are used to that. Um, and that's a you know, all of a sudden that's a good thing, a corner. Um, I just thought that was a lovely little moment. Uh, not, not quite because it wasn't a corner. It was a throw. But it, it was um, yeah, it just summed up what, what we relate to as Evertonians. Well, actually, I,
5: what, what Paul said about the corners is something that struck me as well. It was, we had three or four corners in quick succession in, at the at the park end. And it was as we were taking them at, you could see that that's when I realised that Deitch had really had a plan and that he was using what he had to, you know, he was playing to our strengths. I saw Amadou and Arna an and Decore, both really tall, big presence in the box. They were both stood together. And I think as a defence, that would be quite hard to, to know where they would be. And then I think Dwight McNeil, his deliveries were really good as well. And I think that is what got the momentum really going in the ground. And I think that's what also put a bit of doubt in the Arsenal players' minds. Because all of a sudden, they'd, they were knocking the ball around quite well in the first sort of 15, 20 minutes. And after that, I just I feel like they went a bit more direct. Um, and I think it's because they knew they were in a game. So that was sort of like a really big moment for me, those those corners. And then it's no surprise then that the goal came from a, a similar sort of spell of spell of pressure. And it's, as you said, Andy, that's that's what gets us going. And you, there's something in the air at Everton that, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's unique just to Goodison or if that's just football fans in general, but I feel like you can sense when a goal is coming or a moment. And I think that's why... the we love the corners because, you know, the the famous saying about, you know, put the ball in the Gladys Street will suck it in. And I do genuinely think there's something in that. And I think that spell of pressure, while it buoys the Everton players, I think, you know, we've we've shown in the past, haven't we? Arsenal top of the league. But the atmosphere and that togetherness that the team and fans can have when things are going right on the pitch, it can have a really detrimental effect on the opposition. So, as Paul said before, it was like classic Goodison. And as you said, Andy, that was Everton. And I think it was just, it was the fact the players were were so good in that transition as well of, you know, Adrisa Garnagay having 100% pass completion. I think that's obviously down to him. But it's down to his teammates as well to be in the right place at the right time. As they broke, they were all supporting each other. It almost seemed as well that there were relationships on the pitch again. It's only one game. But you could see those, you know. I've said on on the podcast all season that Anana felt like a spare part with Gay in the team. Now with the call, right it looks like a perfect midfield three. Just from that from that game, you know, it, it's you've got the best out the three of them of where they can be on the pitch. And I think, as Paul said as well, it's about you know getting those balls in the box. McNeil sometimes in front of me in the Gallow Street was literally head down run. And he'd run, but then he'd always get the delivery in. He'd always get a corner. He'd always make sure the Arsenal player tackled him for a throw in. And it's just those, you know, finer margins. Whereas previously, a few months ago, he might have tried to take a man on and would have got dispossessed, and the opposition, you know, went forward. So I think, I think it's obviously it's been well documented as well that we didn't sign anybody in January. So Daecher is basically stuck with what he what he arrived with. But I think. I think that is good that I think players like Mikolenko, for example, I think he'll thrive under Deitch because I think we will play to everybody's strengths. And I think there is a team in there that can be solid, but there's still enough quality that, you know, we don't have to park the bus. We can be a solid unit and quite defensive minded, but we can still, you know, carve teams open four or five times a game. And that's how we'll win a few games 2 1, 3 1. so yeah, really encouraging, and as I say, you know the players have come in for a lot of stick, and I think, I think the before uh, Abdellah Decore, I think Saturday really meant a lot to him. I saw at full time he sort of collapsed into a heap when the goal went in. The players celebrated in front of where I sit, and Decore was there, patting the badge and like in the crowd up, and he was just this smile was massive. He was just beaming. He was just and that that's good that because you know he could have he could have moved in January if if maybe Lampard had stayed and that relationship had broken down but it was nice to see a player who wants to be there and and is thrilled to see Everton doing well because you know for, for some players it's just a job but you can see that Saturday's win it it meant something to Zakora and I think you know it, it meant so much to the 40,000 in front of the stadium as well I,
1: I completely agree and I, I, all, all of these things are very simple Aren't they? You know, playing playing with effort, playing with purpose, putting set piece in the box. I mean, th- th- we we went from no corners beating <laughs> the first man for uh, yeah. months. It seemed like mm-hmm. three good ones in a row. It was it was so refreshing. But but set pieces with a plan. It's such an important part of the game. And as, as we've said, we, we, we've got players in there who are a real threat from set pieces. If it's not Decore, it's Anan. If it's not Anan, it's Tarkovsky. There's some real. And that's that's why I mentioned Calvert-Lewin mm-hmm. as well. There's, there's some real presence in there. So, like you say, the, the likes of Dwight McNeil as well, getting his head down, running at people and putting a ball into the box. I mean, he was he was transformed because he clearly just been told to do a really simple thing, which is when you haven't got the ball, absolutely run your arse off mm-hmm. more than you ever have well, certainly in Everton shirt, he was everywhere. He was absolutely everywhere. He was fantastic. But when you're on the ball, you're a player who's got a good left foot. Put the ball in the box. If you're on a set piece, put it in deep. Someone will get on the end of it. And it, very simple instructions, but clearly, it, it it made a difference. And yeah, to to go back to that midfield three, I think we've we've said quite a few times during the season, yeah. Are certain players kind of both trying to do the same thing? Is it a bit confused? Gay, one minute he's sort of a strange attacking midfielder and that's seemed to lose a ball and there's always like turnovers that end badly. Likewise, when he's sitting in deep and he's asked to take the ball in tight areas, his passing isn't great. He, he, He was asked to do a very simple thing. Harry, destroy, get in there, do that interception thing that made him famous and he did it. Decore, likewise... Rangy, great on the ball, allowed us sort of a breather, got us up the pitch, did very simple things but did them well. Anana was like a highlights reel. It was it was just a personal, it it, it was a a meme generator. Like everything he did <laughs> was a viral moment. It was it was fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant to watch. And I think if if we tie it into both. This idea of doing simple things really well, but also generating that response from the crowd, he, he was fantastic at that. He he really just seemed to get the occasion, not rise to it, but he, he was the occasion. He was he was outstanding. He was absolutely outstanding. And I think it, it's certainly not hyperbole to talk about moves to bigger sides. But for now, let's just. As, as we did with Richarlison, as we've done with previous players, let's just really enjoy him and, and, and build a side around him. Um, but but like I say, you could quite easily lavish the same praise. on. You could talk about Iwobi, did really well in a position. I was going to say,
2: we haven't even really yeah. even mentioned him yet. Yeah. He's one of our <laughs> best players on the season. He's
1: fantastic. <laughs> talk about him. I, 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 I want to just sit back and listen and remember and talk about him. <laughs>
2: The thing you can say about him was that he wasn't the standout player on the pitch and yet played mm. his role, you know, to, to the fullest. Um, and it's nice that we can have that, that, that midfield three that we're talking about and also have a Woby yeah. in the side, you know? So it's, uh, it, th- those are the things that are going to stand us in really good stead uh, going forward. Um, just go back to what um, L you were saying about the, the margins being fine. I think at, at times this season, they have been fine um, and a lot of it is, to do with game management you know we've taken the lead against manchester united we've taken the lead against wolves taken the lead against southampton and just an inability to sort of settle and, and and to to manage the game properly has seen us fall on the wrong side of that margin i think in recent weeks those margins have obviously got bigger in some senses like the the brighton game in particular was was just horrendous uh west ham you know obviously we just we just just fell apart lost our shape um now, you obviously want them playing for the shirt, but I think you can often tell whether or not they're playing for the manager in, in their performances. And I think you could see in games like the Merseyside Derby at Goodison uh, under Benitez, um, and those games are towards the end of his reign, um, that there was a lack of faith in the manager. I think, again, you look at the Brighton game, the Southampton game, the West Ham games under Lampard. Again, it's a team that is maybe not, not playing for its manager, but one that has certainly lost confidence in him um which is a shame because i think we all wanted it to work um you know with frank I think, I think he got the club in so many ways but he and he was clearly desperate to succeed but it just wasn't working and i think you can say you can say that after watching that match against arsenal um just the, the difference um that all that experience that Deitch has um and you know just that, that game management experience is going to be massive for us Um, Now, obviously, as we've been saying, the players now need to back this up with consistent performances. We've had new manager bounces in the past, um, but it it doesn't feel like Daish isn't the sort of person who's going to allow them to drop their standards. And um, that's what I like. Um, I think Lampard allowed them to, or um, wasn't able to prevent them from dropping their standards. Um, And so when you see how organized we were, under Deitch on Saturday, how professional we were. Um, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's it's really encouraging. So, yes, we I understand the, the need for caution, uh, the notion that one swallow doesn't make a summer, as one of the Talking Point posts on the website stressed earlier today. But I have confidence in, in Dutch's experience um, that we are going to be a hell of a lot better at managing games now than we were under Lampard, and that could make all the difference. Um, so my, I think my lingering concern now is... Um, is the fitness of Calvert Lewin? Um, it's encouraging. I think there was a tweet from mel Bobble earlier saying that, that his scan today didn't turn up anything serious, so it might just be a case of us um, sort of managing his minutes for now and, and nursing him through games. Um, because there was a there was a difference in our ability to hold the ball up front when Mope came on. Um, I think his his brand of um, narkiness is going to become is going to be quite useful at times. Um, but I, he's not uh he's obviously not the aerial presence that we need to keep the ball up top. So that 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 is my concern. Um perhaps my biggest concern at this point. Um but uh yeah, again to for the to go, to talk about the rest of the team. Uh I think so it's good things to talk about the both fullbacks. Um I think Mikalenko has had um he's struggled this season, but when he is just concentrating on what he's best at defending Um, and sticking to his man and keeping a, um, a really top class winger in his pocket. Um, I think, you know, great um, respect to him. And then Seamus on the other side, I mean, he just keeps rolling back to years. And uh, I I like that, that, that sort of clip that's been doing the rounds on Twitter, where they focus in on him when the goal goes in and he just goes down onto his haunches. And you just know that he is uh, the, the relief that's coursing through him because, uh, you know he's 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 lived this through, through nine different <laughs> managers now, the poor guy, mm-hmm. and he's just I just feel for him so much. He just deserves he just deserves a break. He deserves to to go out with his team on the up. And if we could, you know, if we could somehow win a trophy before he retires, then so much the better. But just the, the worst thing for me would would for him to go out with us having gone down because that would just probably break his heart.
4: We had quite a few players, I think, over the last few years. Who you thought. Ah, it's a shame he never won anything. You know, like, you think like Jagielka and Kale and Arteta and players like that and Osman, you know, players who, Hibbert, whoever, people who, you know, contributed an awful lot to Everton over them years and you, they left. You think, shame they never had anything to show. But, you know, hero status counts for a lot. But, you know, um, but to Blimey, none of them got relegated. I mean, that would be a, be a fair, you know, for us to go down. Uh, would but be would, be would be terrible for Sheamus. Great early tackle, wasn't it, by Sheamus? Was it on Martinelli? I think that that got the crowd up, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, My I, I don't think I've seen it since mm-hmm. on um, on the highlights or anything like that. But that certainly got everyone going, and I think most crowds do. To be fair, but Goodison really likes a good tackle, doesn't it? Um, that was um that was great. That, that 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 really got everyone going. Um, I did feel that Dominic's um. Uh, substitution was planned only because it was on exactly the hour mark. He was due to come off even before the the corner kick. So I just wonder yeah. when you say
2: Loape was getting ready, wasn't
4: he? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you do wonder, like, a, yeah. if it's yeah, if You know, talk about sort of managing him, whether that was conscious of these injuries. And this is what you about sort of good game management. I suppose it comes into fitness and fatigue and looking after your players and pulling them out when you have to as well. Mm. And um, maybe that's and I think. Sean Dyche even touched upon that in his first press conference. I think it's about managing them back and getting them sort of ready, and um, so maybe I hope, I'm hoping it was sort of a bit more of a planned substitution, and uh, you know they were kind of maybe more sensible about about his limitations and what they can get from him at the moment. Um, look, if we can get sixty good minutes like that from from Dominic every game, then for the rest of the season, then I think you know we'll, we'll probably be more than okay. We'll get we'll get goals and that, and we'll get you know. um it will cause defenders headaches uh, throughout there. So um yeah hopefully it was just uh, just a planned substitution and uh, hopefully not not too much to worry about. Um good to see nail mope's narkiness, you're right. Makes you again makes you question where has that been? We haven't really seen that at all really and that's what we thought we were probably getting a bit more. Um okay he hasn't an awful lot of a lot of opportunities. Makes you question there as well as you never know what goes on with managers and how how they operate. As Frank said, look, I don't want to see that side to your game or something like that. You just don't know, do you? You know, what I mean, maybe it's uh, it just hasn't. It's been something he's asked not to do or something crazy like that. I don't know, but um, good to see Neil uh, Neil Mopey uh, being a nuisance. And um, if that's the best, if that's what he's best at, then. Then, then go go nuts, mate, and just just keep on doing it because um, it'll <laughs> yeah. certainly it'll certainly it certainly winds opposition up. And that's if he's coming on for 10, 20 minutes doing that sort of stuff. And he didn't do too terrible in holding the ball up either. To be fair, I don't think when it came up towards him. Um, so yeah, we might have a might have a reasonable sub there to to work with as well for the rest of the season. But yeah, you're right. It's going to be important for Dominic to stay fit. Um, and let's hope they're managing them managing them as well as I as I think they are.
0: I suppose with all this kind of we can see all this coming together, potentially. I just wonder whether, even though we didn't know it, and I know it's only one game, so I'm going to put that caveat in right away, but the stars might have aligned a little bit with, with Deich and Everton. Because if you think about it, if we changed manager when, in hindsight, we probably should have, would they have gone for Sean Deich? Probably not. Especially not before the World Cup. I would imagine there might have been someone more floral on their list. I'm not mm. sure. It might have been a Bielsa. It might have been, could have been anybody Um, so that might be perfect in terms of the first two fixtures I looked at it and thought crikey that that is tough like the league leaders and the Anfield derby which new Everton manager would ever want that really but actually the way the way they played Saturday and if they played I mean forget the result if they play like they did on Saturday again on Monday then it's given us a hell of a foundation for the rest of the I I was thinking well he's kind of only got 16 games really he hasn't got 18 but just mm-hmm. proves he's definitely got 18 um and and with the squad i i said it last week uh, and and now I, th- I i i'm i even i think it even more now that it might it may have it may in some ways have been better that he just had what was there um because by by employing him hopefully you have created new signings i mean if mo if um well, Mopé, yes, but if, if um, McNeil plays anything like that for the rest of the season, that is a new player to mm-hmm. us, essentially, yeah. on what, what we were seeing and before. And Ducouré as well. Um, and Ducouré as yeah. well. Um, so, you know, um, let's not forget, we've got Garner to come back. Mm. Um, there, there are Patterson will come back at some mm-hmm. point. You know, the, there are other players to come into this team. Um, I know none of them are big strikers that hold up the ball, but <laughs> Um, I just I, I just wonder whether... It, 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 I hope this was the stars aligning a little bit for Everton um, in terms of I think he's exactly what we need and if it happened in another order, we may not have even thought about it.
2: Yeah, you, you could Well, be right. to go
0: back even further, had Burnley not sacked Sean Dyche,
5: could they have stayed up? Yeah.
2: Because
5: mm. when they... Yeah. When they well, I remember being buoyed by the fact they sacked him. You know, yeah. could it be Leeds that went down? Could it be Everton that went down? Yeah. It was amazing. It's incredible. And as you say, Andy, the stars aligned. It could even be as far
0: back as as then when Burnley when Burnley pulled the plug on him. And hearing him speak, uh, it sounds like he would have taken the Forest job if mm-hmm. Cooper had gone when they all thought Cooper was going to go. I mean, there was a two week period where I thought he was a dead man walking. Mm-hmm. Um, And by, I mean, he said he's the family in Nottingham. He's just moved there, I think, think,
2: yeah. Yeah, let's say,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. Why why were you
0: there then, Sean? Um, (laughs) He was up county two weeks ago as well. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, again, stars aligning. And luckily we did it before Leeds Mm. did it um, because Mm -hmm. they may well be looking at a similar thing.
1: Yeah. It's probably a different situation with Leeds where with how they've been playing, obviously, Losing Jesse March now, we're probably a little bit concerned because they they look like the side in free-fall. Whereas, yeah, I totally agree. Even though Burnley did have a bit of a new manager bounce after Deitch left, they they certainly were a, a scarier proposition with him. Um, and I think to go back to the, the squad and working with what he's got, firstly, he would have killed for a squad like this at Burnley. Mm-hmm. And secondly... He's used to he's used to working with a really small squad. He's used to finding solutions, which is maybe something that Lampard lacked with his time at Chelsea and also at Derby, playing you know, managing a Derby side whose, whose budget was was good for the championship and had a lot of promising young players on loan as well. Um Deitch is used to finding those solutions. I'm I'm sure were the, were the worst to happen and say a winger and or Calvert lewin got injured he would probably find a way it might be
3: yeah.
1: Mason Holgate and Godfrey out wide <laughs> in, a, in a in a in a horror four five one but it 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 would probably still do something it would it would come with a plan and a strategy and that's something that we've it's something that we've lacked, but it's also something that in this end of the season, we we really really need because there'll be games that we have to really scrap for. Obviously, the derby being being the first of those.
2: Yeah, well, as as what Paul said last week, you know, <clears throat> good managers find a way. And I think of all the the people who we might have ha- might have hired, Sean Dyche is, is a manager who will find a way. <laughs> and whether it is you know unorthodox formations like he just said, or like we were joking last week, throwing Michael Keane up front. <laughs> Sean Dyche, I feel <clears throat> we'll, we'll we'll find a way. Um, yeah, so it's 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 encouraging. Uh, the one th- last thing I was going to mention was that we haven't even mentioned the goal scorer yet, James Tarkovsky, who who was back to his best alongside uh, Connor Cody. Uh, I, I was curious whether Dyche would go for the sort of the height of Mina alongside Tarkovsky, but he stuck with you know the old dads, the two experienced uh, old heads. Uh, it's this season, I suppose, it was vindicated with Cody, that excellent positioning to, to, to clear that ball off the line, uh, you know, to keep it goalless at that point. So, um, yeah, it's uh, again, I, I sort of just keep coming back to the um, to the notion that that he's going to look at what he has and he's going to find the right mix and the right solution. And tailor it, you know, tailor it to to the various oppositions that we have uh, in front of us, rather than trying to play one way, which I think at times, obviously, Lampard was guilty of, you know, we're not going to go to somewhere like Tottenham and get hammered 5-0 under Sean Dyche, I'm fairly sure. It's going to be attritional, it's going to be tight, and, you know, it's obvious, the tighter the game, the better chance you have of coming out with something, so
1: isn't it nice that we're at this point of the pod and the only player we've not mentioned is just the goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. It shows you what a performance it yeah. was.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: There, was, there was a moment I really liked with Pickford as well. With um, Basically, you could see they were taking direction from Deitch and um, Tarkovsky and Cody both went wide on the six-yard box to go, to go short. And Seamus Coleman was was disagreeing, basically, to go long. And it was great that then they looked over to the dugout and Deitch was you know supportive of that. And they went forward. And I remember the ball went long and I think it did go out for a throw. But Coleman and Tarkovsky both acknowledged that it was the right way to go. And I think that was maybe part of the plan that, you know, we still can go short if we need to. But it's good now that the players have assessed the situation and thought, no, we need to go long. Whereas I think under previous managers... They've been too rigid and stuck with it and just stuck with it, stuck with it, stuck with it. And I think that's what frustrates the crowd. So for me to see the, the defence and the goalkeeper discuss and say, no, let's do this and have the support from the manager, I think that was really encouraging as well, because, again, it's it's about game management. It's not about sticking to a style, win, lose or draw. It's about assessing the opposition and thinking, how can we win the game? Um, so that was good as
4: well. The Goodison crowd's never been uh, keen on this <laughs> this constant playing from the back. As we've seen it, I think with so many managers now since David Moyes, and you get you, you get it when you know when, you, when there's a time and a place to do it. Sure, when there's opportunities to do it and. Mix it up a little bit, sure, but I think Martin has just drove everybody mad by the end. I think everyone was just so fed up with it. And then similarly with Frank, really, wasn't it? And uh, <laughs> hopefully that's in the bin forever. Now we go to Sun Park by that, because obviously there's only another season, or so after have go to Sun Park <laughs> um, after this. So hopefully that's uh, and Sean Dyche is there for the whole of that time. So uh, hopefully that's that for the that's the last uh, last we seen, seen of that. Conor like Cody played well, as you mentioned, then yeah. Um, I wonder if you went with match fitness and like, uh, there have been a lot of talk about, oh, he's been doing the bleep tests and see is there. And you think, he, he obviously, he must be well aware of me and his injury record. And maybe he's thought, yeah, I, I can count on these guys you know yeah. To, yeah. to get us through the game. And uh, fair play to Connor I've never, not really been a big fan of his for a lot of this season, particularly more recently. But yeah, good on him. He had a really good game. And back to maybe how he was liking the first few games for us. So hopefully he can just uh, pick up that Know, keep that up now for, for the rest of the season because yeah, it's it's important to have a good partnership back there. Um Pickford, yeah, nothing to do, did he? That booking was harsh, I thought he was left. He was busy chatting to chatting to Zaka, then turn around and book Pickford for no he was waiting for the <laughs> to get on with the game. I thought it was ridiculous, but um mm-hmm. but there you go. I guess if that's the uh, bit of a minor complaint, I suppose, given given the whole game, it wasn't it. So I uh, I'll take the minor complaints moving on.
2: Yeah, he was kind of pushing his luck a bit. <laughs> <I think>. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Okay.
0: Just wonder about Damari Gray.
2: Well, mm. I, mean, I think if, if we'd
0: all picked an eleven, I think he would have yeah. been in it. Yes.
2: Yeah, but I gather he had some kind of groin injury and didn't train until Friday or something. So that was why he didn't yeah. make it on. or wasn't in the mm. eleven, but yeah, he does. He certainly offers a different uh, a different option, a different dimension. So, and I think you know he's one of our one of our top goal scorers which isn't hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice to have him as an option for sides where we probably will have more of a ball. I mean, that's the thing. It, it wasn't anti-football, was it? By any means, we, we were progressive, but we had a lot less possession than we had been used to um, against sides where maybe we're expected to take the initiative a bit more, having the likes of Gray there um, to throw into the mix as well and, and possibly playing the likes of Mopey up top with Calvert-Lewin. Um, because when we got closer to him, I, mean, I one of one of my favourite moments was Dominic Calvert-Lewin sort of bringing it down his back, which we saw a few times in the Ancelotti years. Um, it's quite a unique skill that. Um, and it, it, again, it, I, I, I think it was, uh, I think it was like when when you said all about going direct, we've we've had that option in the side for the last few weeks with Calvert-Lewin, and, and we've we've not been making the most of it, and it it really does help you to get up the pitch and start to ask questions rather than creating your own problems by tippy tapping it around, as we saw Man City do yesterday as well.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
5: I I think with Demari Gray as well as I know we're I know we're short on wingers at the moment, but for me in terms of, you know, as Paul said, managers find a way. For me, I think Damari Gray should be a second striker. Yeah. I really do, just because of because of that goal threat. And I think the way we play now, I don't think he's the sort of winger that will just get to the byline and cross it he likes to come in on you know back inside and maybe get a ball in that way and I think the way Deitch plays I think I would much prefer to see different players out wide and Damari Gray being the sort of like a buzz around Calvert-Lewin so that any balls that drop down you know he's got the pace and I think he's got those those runs as well where he can arc his run uh, to you know, stay on side, but then beat the defender for pace, and then I think one on ones. You know, he's a great finisher as well. So for me, in terms of how the the setup looked on on Saturday, I, I would be thinking of four four two with Damari Gray maybe as a second striker, so that he can maybe interchange with the wingers, but but use his his presence. And as you said, Lyndon, he's one of our top scorers. I think that's that's something that John and should look at because I think. I think that way is it just gives something other than something different and something extra.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think he is least he is at his least effective when he plays wide on the wing and, and hugs the touchline. I think he just disappears from the games. Mm-hmm. Um, was it the BBC? Uh, was it match of the day um, analysis that that spotted how we they he switched the he switched the McNeil and Awobi on the flanks and started getting them closer yeah. to calvert Lewin, and we, that's when they started to picking up flick-ons. That, and I think we've mentioned it on this podcast before, is having someone to to go beyond the striker to pick up the flick-ons is something we hardly ever did against Lampard. And it's a a weapon that I'm pretty sure that Sean Dyche is going to use um, quite effectively. So... (laughs) Well, let's move on to the weekly question. Uh, this one, this week's question flows out of some homework that Al set us last week, which was to use the score predictor at worldfootball.net um, to have a stab at every Premier League result between now and the end of the season and see where Everton end up after 38 games. Al, uh, you had done this before the Arsenal game and the Blues exceeded your expectations by winning. Uh, so based on your predictions now, do we stay up this season?
5: We do stay up. Um, so, so as you said Lyndon I, I did this a week ago I board Sunday I, I was a bit worried about everything <laughs> so I thought how much faith do I actually have in them and I, I had them I actually had them drop down into the relegation zone I think around eight games to go so I, they came out because we've got a run of home games they dropped in again and then they actually dropped in again game week 37 which is frightening but then yeah. beat Bournemouth on the last day according to my prediction so obviously I think with that prediction, I think we finished on thirty six points and finished sixteenth. Now obviously in the real world we're we're three points better off. In my one I've actually you know, with a lot has changed in the last week, so I've I've done the prediction again. And <laughs> <laughs> um, we get thirty nine points and we actually finished twelfth. But <laughs> that it's that tight. We're still in it with a shout of going down with two games to go. So in my prediction, we finished 12th with 39 points. Leeds get relegated on 34 in 18th. So that that shows how how tight it is. So I've got Leeds, Southampton and Bournemouth going down. Um, I'll just read it out quickly. Everton 12th on 39. Crystal Palace 13th on 38. West Ham 14th on 37. Wolves 15th on 36. (laughs) Forest 16th on 35. And then it's Leicester, Leeds and Southampton all on 34, and, and Leicester stay up on goal difference. So, you know, if you if you said to me, do you think Leicester will be in a relegation fight, I would say no, mm. but maybe, you know, judging by their fixtures, they may be a little bit harder. Or I'm just completely wrong, but I <laughs> um, hopefully I'm not wrong when that Everton get to the dizzying height of 12th come May. Who's our top scorer? Oh, I'll say Calvert-Lewin. I'll say Calvert-Lewin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I had a, I had a quick go. Uh, I I also had us uh, comfortably ensconced in mid table, uh, <laughs> just four points behind Brentford, which seems very optimistic. Uh, so I, I had us on forty two points. So we obviously picked up an extra win somewhere along along the road. Um, and I I also had Southampton, Bournemouth, and Leeds as my bottom three. Although looking at it, I had Southampton on eighteen points. So uh, I think I might have been uh, sort of marking them down. Quite generously to uh, to ensure safety. That gives that give them um, one win. For and, uh, the rest I also of the had season. Man City, so, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I think I mean I'm not got anything personal <laughs> against them, but yeah, I think I think I might have been uh, unduly harsh on the uh, on the Saints there, and and I also had uh, City pipping Arsenal to the title as well on 94 points. Um, so. Um, and Liverpool missed out on Europe, obviously. But um, good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so 11th or 12th, I'd, I'd absolutely take that. But we will see, won't we? How's yours, I've Paul? Got a bit wild, to be fair. Um, also 12th,
4: but on the, the, the dizzy height of 45 points. Um, wow! <laughs> it's got some ahead. That, well. um, funnily though, well, yeah, we all see. We all seem to see a. A bottom three of Leeds, Bournemouth and Southampton. Um yeah, I've got yeah so well, Everton twelve from forty five, Leicester thirteenth from forty one, Villa fourteenth from forty one, Palace fifteenth from forty one, Forest sixteenth from thirty-nine, and Wolves seventeenth from thirty-eight. Yeah I think I think Leeds to drop in just in the last couple of games. Um Arsenal to win the league. Liverpool to finish sixth we've got um but uh yeah, I think I gave him maybe a couple of uh, overly generous wins there and that. Um, it's, you know, I'd, I'd love, I wish they'd done this before, like Al has before the Arsenal game, and and now. So I don't think <laughs> of anything like is. It's uh, it's, yeah. it's amazing yeah. what what positivity does, I suppose, and how much more positive you think about results. Because um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'd be twelve. We would be well. we, w- we would not have forty five points, I'm pretty sure, if um, i have done this before the Arsenal game. So uh, yeah, um, but. <laughs> I think we're just so much more confident, aren't we, is what it's showing. Yeah, I mean, from that, uh, following that result, and yeah, maybe we're all getting a bit, uh, being a bit silly saying we're finished 12th on all these varying point totals, but um yeah, it just shows the positivity that a huge performance can bring.
0: I haven't done the homework, so I'm actually, I'll have to go into detention, but I'm just do, quickly doing the sums here. Uh, three, three times 17 is 51. Uh, add to the eighteen we've already got. I make us on sixty-nine points, um, <laughs> which is looking good, isn't it? Um, nice. That's a bit of optimism for you. Uh, having not done the the, the whole thing, I, I remember saying, "When when do I say this?" About a month ago, that I couldn't see three worst teams, I, and I've had this in my head all season. Mm-hmm. Um, I now can, if we, it, again, if we take the blueprint forward, it's a, all a caveat, isn't it? But I can now see there are three worse teams than us in there. I mean, the bottom two at the moment, I would say are definitely worse than us. Um, I think Wolves might be okay. Uh, I think um, Leeds will probably be in trouble whether whether they appoint the right man or not. Um, I suppose it just relies on them not getting too much of a bounce. Um, but I, I would say... Southampton, Bournemouth, Leeds look like the ones that will prop us up and I hope that's true um, which is, it, it feels so much more, it feels so much different than it did last time I said that. Um, I think Forrest have probably they've probably got, uh, Forest are the only other ones I think are maybe vulnerable but they've got too many points I think. They've got 24 points already. I mean that's quite a lot. I can't see Leicester dropping in there. I can't really see West Ham dropping in there I don't think. Palace might fall through the floor but I doubt it. So it's those three, I
2: think. Yeah, it's interesting because if you ask me now, do I think Forrest will go down? I would say no, but based on the results that I've done, they are the 18th <laughs> team and they go down oh, with I've Southampton been... and Bournemouth, right, which I'm, yeah. I don't know. I'm right. not sure about that, but that's that's the way that the results came out. I have Palace surviving in 17th by two points and then I must have been fairly conservative with ours because I have us in 16th, also two points. So we it goes down to the wire in terms of my predictions. Um, yeah. It's yeah, it's basically Leeds. Leeds get up to 39, so I, I suppose I'm I've got some confidence that they're going to hire a decent enough manager to get them out of hmm. it. It's Leeds, Leicester, West Ham, then us, then Palace, and then Forest, Southampton, Bournemouth going down. Uh, City to pip Arsenal to the title on goal difference. And Liverpool's finished seventh, so, yeah. but yeah, wow. who, kn-
5: who knows? <laughs> yeah, I've got, Linda, I've got, I've got, I've got City to beat Arsenal on goal difference. I've got Liverpool in seventh, and yeah, I've got Forest sixteenth, a point above the draw. So it is. It's really interesting to see. You know, you you look at the table as it is now, isn't it? But you don't know what fixtures the teams have. Who they yeah. have to play at home, who they have to play away. So it, it is. It's really interesting. And it, it just to go back to. The sort of the timing of things as well. I think I mentioned on the last podcast if you if we if Everton had taken a point against those relegation rivals where we lost 2 mm-hmm. you know, we are we're twelfth right now. I think just yeah. just mm-hmm. in that difference because because even though it would only be a point that we got, we've gifted the teams three points as well. So you know, we would have been taking points off them and climbing the table ourselves. And it, I think it is so tight down there. But that, that's something you said, Andy, as well about the the three worst teams. All season we've been that poor. I, I even watched like League One games, and I think that was a better move than what I've seen Everton <laughs> do this season. And now I watched I watched I watch Forest v. Leeds yesterday, and I thought, yeah, we from what I saw against Arsenal, we've got more than what they've got. It, 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 just the difference. Th- honestly, like massive kudos to Deitch, because the difference in the performance was it was just night and day. And to do that within a week, I'm I'm really encouraged by you know what he could have us playing by May, um, and I think it was it was, as I mentioned before, it was just I'm almost more buoyed by the by the performance than the mm-hmm. result, and obviously the result is key at the situation we're in. But I'm more excited and I'm more pleased about what I saw rather than the league table, um, because it just does bode well that we've been able to compete with such a fine team.
4: When you started talking about League One and uh, Forest, I thought you were going to say Forest being overs, <laughs> not Forest versus League. I thought you were going to make Forest being yeah. overs support. Well, yeah, yeah,
5: honestly, even they were playing better than us. I think It's had time for the season. Be hard.
4: but yeah, if you guys pick them forty-two points or so and Linden on no. thirty-seven, I guess if the uh, if the truth's somewhere in between that, I guess we all uh, we'll take that all day, won't we? To be fair, yeah,
2: yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I think um, you know we 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 talked last week about how this team is better than nineteenth. Um the, the concern under Lampard was he wouldn't be able to get mm. you know the best out of the talent that was available. That okay, again, one performance, but it it looks like Deitch is gonna be more able to get the talent out of that team that exists. And I think that could be the difference, you know, in, in that in getting a team that is probably on paper a mid-table team to finish mid table. And that would be a, a phenomenal achievement. Um going back to the uh, the notion that uh I think we all felt that Deitch's season probably started in two games, or, you know, when he was appointed in two games' time, uh, more or less writing off Arsenal and Liverpool. I think we go into Monday's derby game, given the uh, the crisis of confidence that they might have. All of a sudden, that that game has taken on a very different complexion. Um, but we'll probably try and, uh, try and do a preview pod for that later in the end of the week or over the weekend. Um, but uh, in the meantime, Blues, enjoy this... Um, this rather strange feeling that we're having uh <laughs> basking in three points and a win over a team that i think we can all agree was was comfortably uh, deserving of being top of the table um and may yet go on to win it we'll see um but uh yeah so until we return uh, take care blues and uh, up the toffees